Bills week. How about it, boys? Still riding high off that win. Uh, super excited to get this going. Really excited for Sunday, guys. I'm in the same boat. Feeling really optimistic, really excited. You know, we got a lot of good things going for us. But like you just mentioned, the name of the game is, is consistency. We've got to follow up a great performance with another great performance. Yeah, this week's gr- going great because, like you guys have said, there's no reason why we can't win this game. And after Sunday, if we're 3-2 and two with how ugly things have looked, that's a pretty successful five-game start. Now, Landon is a high school senior, which may surprise uh, many of you. But uh, he is literally like a genius or something. And he's in the process of selecting schools and took his ACT, maybe for the last time, right, Landon, today? Yeah, this was the second time it was school-mandated. And I'm just happy to be done, ready to go on to college and get out of this part of my life. Landon is uh, out of this part of your life. You don't mean like the podcasting and huge Titans fan part, but maybe the having to go to high school every day part. But Landon has made a score that uh, we won't uh, even tell you on standardized tests. It'll, it'll make you sad about your own intelligence. But I do have bad news, big fellow. Your beloved alma mater, Temple, was not one of the 10 schools Landon and I selected when we filled out his FAFSA information today. So hey, sorry Landon, to break the news that, over the airs, but just That's a loss for you, but loss for you, buddy. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. If if I were the intellectual equivalent of like a four star, I definitely would consider it, but <laughs> when you're a five star best at your position in the country, I'm sorry, but simple just isn't for me. Hey, you wait and see, buddy. You wait and see. Fellas, before we get started with Titans Top, let's talk about something good or uh our team is doing. John, tell us a little information about uh, the special thing they're doing this weekend. So, yeah, I think our team, we do a really good job of getting involved in the community. And this Sunday before the game, there is a, a gas card donation drive before the game benefiting the American Cancer Society. So chances are anybody listening to this podcast, you probably know somebody who's been affected by cancer and you know how hard it is, um, you know, on families, on the on people going through this this fight. Um, so this gas card drive, basically you donate a gas, a gas card, which is going to be used to fuel local shuttle vans for guests of the American Cancer Society Hope Lodge, um, which is basically a free place for cancer patients and their caregivers to stay when they're in town uh, in Nashville for cancer treatment. So, um, you know, it, it's a cause really near and dear to my heart. And I think it's something that everybody, if you can, um, you know, the Titans and specifically these cancer warriors would love your support. So if you can, gas cards in any any nomination, you bring them to the, the to the stadium, and there will be a spot. There will be a spot for you to donate them. So definitely want to rally the team, uh, rally around the team, but also rally around Nashville as a whole, and you know our strong our strong warriors fighting this terrible disease. Guys, I'm going to make a commitment to bring a gift card to the stadium Sunday, and I want you two to remind me. Y'all know how great I am at remembering things, but I'm going to commit to do that, and I hope everybody listening to us, uh, which is a substantial amount of Titans fans, and I think probably most of you um, head head to the stadium uh, each home game. Let's all just bring whatever we can. doesn't matter what it is, but uh, I do appreciate that uh, the Titans are coordinating with others to do that, and I I hope that it's just uh, an amazing turnout. We're a three-point favorite uh, Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, who are three and one. Uh, they lost uh, a tough game, uh, 16-10 to the Patriots. Uh, that was an interesting game. I don't know if you all got to see it. 
Uh, Tom Brady did not play well. Bill's defense looked terrific. That game was in Buffalo. Josh Allen was hurt, and Landon's going to update us on what he knows about uh, his status a little later. But Josh Allen got hurt. Matt Barkley came in. A pretty valiant effort for them, but they just couldn't get a lot going offensively in that game. Uh, otherwise, they're 3-1. and one. We're a three-point favorite, which essentially means we're a pick em, because uh, most teams get three points as a home field advantage. All that being said, big fella, do you feel like that's accurate? I mean, what would you put the line at if you were in Vegas? I, I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, we're not a – you know, we're a pretty hard team to pick by more than three points. So I think – I think it's fair, and with all the adversity the the Bills are going through right now, I th- being on the road, I, I feel like it's a pretty fair a fair line. Yeah, I would agree that three points feels almost dead on because, as I've said many times, you never know which time team you never know which times team you're getting. But on paper, at least, we have so many matchups going for us that being three point favorite feels about right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a sign of respect for us because this team has played well. But they've still got some things to prove, uh, like we mentioned offensively. Be really interesting. Uh, I don't gamble or do anything like that, but I think the folks that set those lines uh, have a lot of information, and they are they're right more often than they're not, obviously. So I think it's an interesting place to start. Guys, we do this uh, every time we play a team that, that we haven't played in a while. I think we might have done this last season, but I really don't remember. Bills have had uh, a tough 20 years or so, uh, really ever since the Music City Miracle. But... They have a storied history, obviously. If you were a Bills fan, what jersey would you be wearing to the game Sunday? Hmm, any Bills jersey. I feel like I would go with Thurman Thomas just because he was such an elite back in a time when it seemed like they were more elite backs than any other time in history. And he was so good for them when they went to all those Super Bowls. He was the engine of the offense. Just a really fun, dynamic great player to watch. Thurman Thomas is really laid back. He was just a, a really fun guy and just really fun to watch play with he and Andre Reid and, and just all those guys on that offense. What about you, big fella? I think mine is going to be pretty easy. Uh, well, I was looking at a list of Buffalo Bills players, and there were a couple that stood out, but the guy I'd pick is Bruce Smith. I mean, Hall of Fame defensive lineman. How do you argue with that? 200 career sacks. I mean, good Lord. Cam Wake just hit 100, <laughs> and this guy doubled that. So uh, I, I think hands down, he's he's the jersey I'm wearing. Inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. Just an incredible player overall. I might have a Tremaine Edmonds jersey. I would love to see him as a Titan. Obviously, we've got a good linebacking core. Uh, I really liked him when we scouted for the 2018 NFL Draft. Big, long linebacker. Looks like he can kind of do it all. Uh, really uh, intrigued to see how his career goes. I'm really intrigued to see him on Sunday. I'd be really excited about him. As far as in the past, hard to go wrong with Bruce Smith, kind of the pride of Virginia Tech and obviously one of the great pass rushers ever. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of really guys. Um, I, I think Kyle Williams, who just recently hung it up, uh, yep. is just a guy that that whole fan base loves and just the, the love he showed them and called them out and Wanted to be in Buffalo. That one would be. Uh, that would definitely be in my closet if I if I wasn't wearing it on on Sunday. Yeah, it was weird, but I know leading up to the game, he was questionable for for most of the week, and Vrabel said that he would play. But we got a, a substantial amount so quickly on the Falcons that he just got rested. And he just was given pretty much the second half of the game off to recover because obviously he's pretty old for an NFL player. He had a gruesome leg injury last year, 
And we didn't really need him in the second half. We just grinded out the clock, grinded out the win, and he just wasn't necessary. Now, if the game were close, I'm sure he would have been in, but it just wasn't. Yeah, I tend to think that it's some sort of uh, subtle injury thing and maybe just sort of keeping him as, as fresh as they can for uh, so they can make sure and have him later in the season would be my guess. Big fella, you mentioned last week um, about the uniforms and maybe wearing the icy whites will rally us like it did last season. And, of course, I think all that stuff is ridiculous. And oh, really? The icy whites <laughs> strike again. Big fella, we're wearing the white tops and uh, blue britches, as Jim Wyatt calls them <laughs> on Twitter. Your thoughts on the um, legend of the icy whites? Uh, the icy whites, I love it. I think we look sharp and crisp, and you know, it all started back in that Dallas game last year, and I think we looked really great for that game. And you know, sure enough, in another dome, we wear the icy whites, and we look like a complete team. I'm not as optimistic or thrilled about the white tops and the blue britches. For whatever reason, it just seems like we don't play our best games when we wear them, uh, specifically at home. I always like to wear our dark tops at home. I get that you know, on a sunny day, it's a little bit hotter for the players, but you know, I feel like it's the opportunity to wear our, our blue, blue tops or dark blue tops. We've worn our white tops every game this, this, this season so far, so I kind of want to see something different. might just be me. But, fellas, I'm officially on Jeffrey Simmons' watch. Under NFL rules, currently, uh, based on his status, he can be activated after week six. They'll have, I think, several weeks to bring him on to practice. And after he practices for the first time, he'll have three weeks to be activated or he'll have to go back on, on, on the list he's on now or something else. He's more or less ready to go. We don't know for sure. So this is a big guessing game. And the reason why, just besides being excited for him and he's our first-round pick, I really think week to week, in the weeks we've won, we found a way to generate a pass rush. In the weeks we didn't, it was nowhere to be found or it just came in wake. So, fellas, I think it's going to be imperative that we establish and grow a pass rush. I know he's a rookie, but uh, I would think this is a guy that might could help us immediately from the interior with a pass rush. So... The first he could possibly uh, be eligible, or we might see him as in week seven. I tend to think he'll practice at least a week and get acclimated there in no hurry to bring him back. And the earliest we'll see him is week eight, which I believe is the Tampa Bay game. And do you guys have any other information about it or any other gut feelings about when we might see this guy? And do you guys think he'll be that perfect whenever we do see him? Do you think he'll be uh, able to, to help us with our pass rush sort of immediately? I tend to agree with you. I think that's probably the right timing for him to come back. All indications that I've seen is he's he's working on the sidelines, he's running, and you know he's taking mental reps, and he's doing a good job of learning the defense. And apparently he's a bookworm, so learning everything he can from the defense and being in all the meetings and with Dean Pease. So I think he really could, as soon as he's eligible, get up to speed pretty quickly and make an impact for us. I think he's that kind of a player, too. He's a huge dude. So him teaming up with Casey and Daquan Jones and getting a good rotation, that's one thing that you see about our defensive ends. We have a really good rotation with the guys that we do have, keeping a lot of players fresh. We don't have that much of a rotation with our tackles, so I think having Jeffrey Simmons active and available, and we don't need him to play the whole game. He can, he can switch in and start with some limited duty and then get up to a full-time starter by the end of the season. I think it's fully in his 
in his short-term future right now. And I think it's going to be a great thing for the team. And I think he's going to be a dynamic uh, game changer. Landon, I think, uh, and it's hard to tell because we haven't seen him play for this team. I think they'll use him along the defensive line, don't you? Interior, maybe uh, the exterior. I could see him just with his athleticism. Speaking of the Bills, the Bills have not used Ed Oliver as a nose tackle, although he played almost exclusively as a nose tackle at University of Houston. You sense that we'll see some versatility right off the bat with with Simmons? Actually, I don't don't really think that we'll see it right away. I think you'll mostly be stuck at defensive tackle just because we'll be working back from injury in the game shape with playing time. It'll probably be like what we did with Nate Davis where he plays 62% of snaps in a game, and that's good enough while he's working his way back to health. But I certainly think Simmons does have the versatility to play all over the line. Like Casey, I think he can be a tackle and end. Just that versatility just gives us another chess piece on this defense because it's already so good, even when we've been lacking in the pass rush. And now with Simmons, Daquan Jones, and Casey, all who can line up pretty much on any spot on the defensive line, that's just another advantage we have on this really good defense already. Right, the rich get richer, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, the guy Well, was... I don't know how rich we are on the defensive line, honestly. I think we've played uh, with some heart Sunday, but I think he's uh, – this is our biggest need, um, I think, um, in the offseason. And uh, we took a chance here by a guy who wasn't able to help us immediately. Obviously, they're going to ease him back in, and 64 70% of the snaps is a lot for a defensive lineman, even if he's healthy. I just wonder if they might get creative with him right off the bat. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, he was projected to be a top 10, maybe top 5 pick before he got hurt. So if he, if he's if he's even close to that in the last four games down the stretch when we play the Texans twice and the Saints, then that could really be an impactful player. Yeah, absolutely. That's the hope. And, of course, he hadn't put on pads for the Titans yet, but uh, and we've seen guys look good in shorts, but boy, he looks good from what little we've seen him working out uh, on the side in training camp, and and he's he's moving and looking good uh, in practice. Um, he's not officially practicing with the team, but we've all read the puff piece uh, of him in the building every day, him working really hard, him taking mental reps, him uh, just really being uh, an excellent student of the game and doing everything the coaches ask. We haven't seen that puff piece uh, of Taylor Lewan, and maybe because he hasn't been in the building. But I figured someone would have wrote the Taylor Lewan's really getting after it in this absence. He's really wor- he's working with this trainer or that trainer. Uh, am I just so off, John, uh, and so put out uh, by Taylor Lewan that I'm looking for something here? Well, the bottom end of it, what kind of shape do you think he's going to be in? How ready is he going to be Sunday? I know he's a professional. But what what are your expectations for for Taylor Lewan Sunday? I think I'm, I think he's going to be ready to go. He's got a little bit of egg on his face. He, he, he you know that kind of a suspension it really hurts a player, and he knows that it hurt this team. And you know honestly, it might have cost us a game already. I mean, if we look back and we can pin some of this right on the offensive line play, and that kind of goes square on his shoulders. So being the highest paid offensive tackle in the league, you know he's. He's got some big shoes to fill, and I think he's going to be ready to go. I think we haven't heard a lot about him because he really hasn't been at the, the facility. You know, He hasn't been available for interviews. He hasn't been available for any type of team, team involvement until Monday. So I, I, I'm not really too worried about it. I think he's going to come in. He's going, he's going to be a pro's pro. 
uh, and he's going to be ready to go. And I think there'll be, I, I think we'll see a big improvement with our offensive line with him in there. We'll see, and I hope so. Obviously, uh, he doesn't have my benefit of the doubt for sure. And um, I figured we would have seen something, uh, or that he had be, would be posting constantly in the gym. But he's just tweeting about the game and um, acting like a fan. So uh, I'm not high on him, and I'm not I'm not very objective on him right now. I do hope that the best happens, but uh, he's sure. I think for the guys in that locker room, he better be ready Sunday. He's sure better. Uh, we got a guy like Simmons, who's a rookie. And it's just been, I know it's a different situation, but just seems all in. And, uh, well, I guess we'll find out on Sunday, right? All right, guys, uh, more about the Bills. Uh, interesting team for sure. The first question, the biggest question for a Titans fan is, who's going to play quarterback on Sunday? Well, I think we should want to see Matt Barkley because I think he raises the, the offense's floor because he's less turnover averse than Josh Allen is. He'll make less mistakes. We also won't be willing to take the big shot play like Josh Allen can where he just slings it 70 yards downfield and just cracks open the defense. And with our with our, how our defense plays bend, not break, Matt Barkley can take all the dump-offs and short passes he wants. He's not going to score any points. Josh Allen, he's always a danger to go over the top. And then right now, Josh Allen is in concussion protocol. We've all seen the nasty hit he took. It was helmet to helmet. It wasn't a dirty play, but still. He got his bell rung. He bounced off the ground. He, he jogged off the field, but still. I, I, I see no way a guy who took a hit like that is ready to play in just one week. Yeah, it would be hard to imagine him uh, after seeing that hit, but, you know, the more surprising things have happened. In the current climate that we have, uh, I would tend to think we'll see Barkley, right, big fella? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, typically that concussion protocol, it's at least a week. Um, so I'd be very surprised if we saw Josh Allen on the field on Sunday. Um, I think one thing about Barkley, too, is, um, Landon, you mentioned Josh Allen's ability to throw the deep ball and, you know, sling it all over the field. But um, Barkley doesn't have anywhere near the mobility that Josh Allen does. So I think that's going to expose him to a lot of sacks. And, you know, he's going to hold onto the ball and he's going to be a little bit stiff in the pocket, um, which is somewhere where we've gotten a little bit better over the past couple weeks. Um, so I'll really look for our defensive line and these players to take advantage of that and obviously force him to make more mistakes than Allen might. Um, so I, I, think, I think that's kind of what we'll see. Um, I can probably envision them le- you know, leaning on their ground game a little bit more than they have. Um, so it'll be an interesting game plan, one that I think we'll be able to take advantage of. And he's not as thickly built as a guy like Jacoby Brissett, so I don't see him breaking as many sacks as Brissett did in Week 2. Yeah, definitely. And one thing about this past week was we were tackling a lot better, so I think that message has been loud and clear in that locker room that we are not going to be missing tackles anymore. And when we hit a guy, we wrap up and we end the play right there. Jacoby Brissett is somewhere in Indiana chopping wood right now. I'm (laughs) I'm convinced that kid really impressed me. We couldn't get him down. So hopefully we get after whoever plays. And it looks like, you know, our best guess is Barkley. They have other intriguing players, mainly on defense. They uh, Their defense reminds me of ours. Uh, you may not know a lot of uh, names on that defense, but they get after it. A lot of good young players they've draft, drafted recently. Uh, we know about Ed Oliver, picked uh, ninth overall uh, in April. And uh, we know a uh, year before Tremaine Edmonds, a guy that we mentioned earlier in the podcast that I liked a lot. Good long linebacker like a Vander Ash or a Dante Hightower sort of type, and he just sort of can do it all. 
really uh, really like the depth on their defense. Uh, who sticks out to you, and what matchup are you most interested in seeing? I think I think the matchup of of uh, Derrick Henry and Tremaine Edmonds, similar looking athletes. Uh, I think that'll be intriguing. Uh, what, what, what's the biggest matchup for you, Landon, Sunday? Uh, our offense, their defense. I think the biggest matchup would be just Micah Hyde versus the deep shot that we take because it's no coincidence that and easily our two best games of the season. Mariota had a great day. He got deep passes going. We had great days relatively passing the ball. And this Buffalo defense is legit. They held Tom Brady to 150 yards and the Patriots to 240 yards. So it's no easy task, and Micah Hyde's a big reason why. He's a, he's a great deep safety. Their, their, their coverage on deep passes is maybe the best in the league. And if we can just... If we can even just get one deep shot to open up this game a little, that's all it can be because both these defenses are so good and both these offenses are so questionable. This is a game where we could walk out with a win 10-6 and, a, and the touchdown of that 10 points would be because we got one lucky deep shot. I like that analysis because obviously those deep shots early in the game put us in position as we've talked about. Um, to, to sort of just run out an entire quarter and a half uh, almost in the second half. So if that's kind of one of their strengths, it'll be interesting to see if we can find that space on Sunday. Big fella, I know in the draft process two years ago, you were a big fan of Tredavious White, the corner from uh, LSU. Uh, he's played well for them. Um, your expectations for uh, us finding – uh, space. Could we go more to the intermediate game? We did a good job last week of finding the middle of the field. Um, what what should the game plan be uh, with a team like this that has you know a strong secondary? Yeah, I think he's a really a really fantastic player. I loved him when, when he was being drafted. Um, and the thing that I love about him too is he's you know he's so intelligent. I've listened to him on a couple different radio broadcasts on SiriusXM and. Um, he just really understands the game. He understands the coverages. He understands what each receiver is going to do. So I'm sure right now he's watching tape of Corey Davis and A.J. Brown from last week, and he's trying to figure out what they're going to do and what their looks are and, and how it's all going to work out. So um, he kind of scares me. He's a really good athlete, a fantastic athlete, um, and he's able to play the deep ball like anybody, and uh, he's, able to, he's able to do man-to-man coverage too. I mean, he's... He's really fantastic corner. Um, I, I just think it's going to be, I think a big way we're going to win is going to be in the middle of the field. I think getting Delaney Walker more involved, using Johnu Smith as well. Um, I think using our whole stable of tight ends, to be honest, um, and probably a little bit of Humphreys coming across the middle. I think that's going to be our, our bread and butter in this game. Obviously, Derrick Henry, uh, I think, is still a very big part of the game plan. But like you guys have both mentioned, they have a really stout defense. Um, they're ranked number two is in total defense, allowing 280 uh, yards per game. So that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, so finding yardage is going to be really hard against these guys. So I think we're going to have to do, uh, you know, if passing the ball a lot of short passes. We're going to have to be able to, to hit the middle of the field and just convert third downs. Like you said, we want to uh, we want to keep our offense on the field and make this defense tired. So then, when we get to the fourth quarter, we can just rely on Derrick Henry to just kind of continue that battering ram style that he does so well and wear these guys down. 
Uh, and Landon, I think like what you said, 10-6, uh, a very low-scoring affair. I think that's what it's going to be. Um, the only way I see us scoring a whole bunch of points is if we really, um, if we find some points on defense. I, I think that's definitely within our grasp um, and making a short field. So um, I kind of, I really agree with the with the low scoring game, and it's going to be a tough, gritty win. Yeah, I think Landon's points well made. You never know, you know, how these games are going to end out, but one would have to guess that uh, it's going to come down to, you know, big plays. Uh, big stops and turnovers, and so uh, you just think both these defenses uh, just have looked really good in the first quarter of the season. Interesting thing about them, similar to us, uh, they don't they don't have one dominant pass rusher. They don't have a guy that has even multiple sacks uh, on the season, but they do get a lot of pressure, and they're more tough than they are sort of uh, explosive on defense. And we obviously scouted and talked a lot about Ed Oliver. Uh, a bit of an undersized for an interior lineman. Uh, we really liked him, though. Um, there was uh, there were different mixed feelings uh, about Ed Oliver. They took him ninth. Uh, that was lower than a lot of folks thought he would go. Thought he was the top five talent. He has not really lit up the stat sheet. Doesn't have a um, a sack or tackle for loss. I don't believe, but has registered a lot of quarterback hurries. They've been really happy with him. They're looking for more consistency. Uh, in his play, but mo- most rookies sort of have that issue of just kind of competing on on every play and understand what's going on. But uh, you guys interested to see Ed, Ed Oliver in Nashville and kind of see? I'm just really interested to see what kind of pressure they can get because obviously, yeah, we're gonna have Taylor uh, back with us, but that's what this game's gonna come down to, right? Uh, our pressure we get, and if we can just give uh, Marcus the time to to get a rhythm like he did in Atlanta on Sunday, right? I'm very interested because I really want to see how this right guard spot works out because I really don't know how long you can sustain this rotation at right guard where Nate Davis plays 62% of snaps and Jameel Douglas plays 38%. Smart teams, great defensive teams like the Bills, they're going to exploit that because those guys have different tendencies. They play differently and there's a reason why pretty much no other team rotates their linemen. You just play your best five. And with getting Taylor Lewan back, a Pro Bowl level tackle, that's just going to give us that's going to give us so much more help in the trenches. Yeah, no, I agree. Obviously, the hope is that Nate Davis shows enough this week where he can take over that starting role. Because I'll tell you, just like Landon said, it's kind of like that old analogy: when you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I feel like if you don't, if you've got two right guards, you don't have a right guard. Swapping in and out, it's a really tough thing. It's, it's tough for the defense to key on a bunch of different things, but it's tough for any type of a lineman, an offensive lineman, to get momentum, get into game shape, and be ready for a game when you're swapping in and out based on packages and plays. The long-term success of this team, I really hope that Nate Davis shows enough and he's the guy, because uh, I really don't think Jameel Douglas is. Another, I've seen a lot of posts and tweets and things like that where a lot of people have suggested that Dennis Kelly play right guard. Where I don't think so. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. Um, I think we might see him in the two-tackle set that we've seen a couple times last year, in the past couple years just to get some additional help where he kind of plays that role of a big tight end. I think we'll see some of that to kind of alleviate some pressure, but he's not going to play, he's not going to play right guard. Um, I think he's just too valuable as a tackle replacement and you know in that swing tackle space. I just don't see it happening. 
Uh, and, and, you know, it's a really tough transition from going on the outside of the offensive line to the interior. So I just don't think it's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to live and die by, by Nate Davis or Jameel Douglas or, you know, unfortunately, probably the, the mixture of them for the time being. Um, well, they but, did okay Sunday. And, yeah, um, you're right. Uh, against a quality defensive line. And Jamil Douglas played about 20 snaps, and that'd be ideally what he would play. And I think he, I think he's pretty, pretty courageous out there. And they definitely uh, helped us win. And Nate, they did the smart thing by easing in Nate Davis in. And he sort of, you know, sort of impressed me. That's a tough pull to jump in uh, in week four. And everybody else has been playing for a month, and you didn't have training. We talked about all that. So, yeah, you're right. Not the strength of our team. I thought it would be way more of a liability on Sunday. It wasn't. So we just keep our fingers crossed, I guess. Right, big fella? Definitely. Um, you know, on that front, too, I, I did see that Kevin Pamphil, though not a full participant, he is working out on sidelines and working out with trainers. So I don't know what that means for his status yet. I think it's a little too early in the week to tell. But he, maybe he'll be a guy. Maybe we'll rotate three guys in. You never know. I think a lot of it will depend on game flow and how we come in and how we start. Guys, this is interesting kind of segue. Talk about our interior offensive line, and we have just given this guy a hard time, our fan base. But Quentin Spain um, signed a one-year contract with the Bills in the offseason, uh, $1.75 million this year. Uh, he has played basically every snap on offense for them, I think 97 or 8% of snaps. He has graded out pretty well. Not known as a, as a good pass blocker. Um, I'm sorry, not known as a good run blocker. Now, they have the fourth most r- rushing yards in the NFL through four weeks. Do you guys wish we had him for depth? Landon, do you wish, because I feel like it was probably about money for, for Quentin. Uh, he's a really good guy, shown a lot of pride about being uh, undrafted, a good guy in the community. It did get tough, and it seemed like one of those things where kind of a no fault, he, he was not going to be coming back. One of those situations like, well, he'll probably continue playing in the NFL, but not for us. With how everything has gone at right guard and uh, Saffold has struggled, do, do you guys wish we had him around for depth? Yes, yeah, certainly in hindsight. I take back all the things I said back in March about how hopefully we sign different guards and let Spain walk. Because at the time, he certainly was on his way out. He hadn't, he was pretty bad his last season. He was injured. He didn't really fit the scheme. He just didn't have a future with us. At the time, I wished him the best, but I didn't want to see him in the two-tone blue that next season. And right now, he's making me eat my words. So, sorry, Quinn Span. I wish you were back here. Yeah, I mean, he's not been a pro bowler, and I can hear your head shaking, big fella. But do you wish <laughs> we we had a crystal ball and we would give him $2 million just to be... I, I mean, I, I didn't want him to be our opening day starter, but do you wish we could have just, just stuck him around? Because we, we, we had the money to give him. I mean, listen, offensive line depth is always a tricky thing because you always want to have as much of it as you can. At the same time, I just, you know, I I was ready to move on from him. Um, He was a liability for us last season, and there were a lot of times where he was the main reason for Marcus getting pummeled. So granted, he's not doing that now. They have a different offensive scheme there. Um, But, I mean, he's playing left guard. We signed Saffold, and I understand, you know, if we had him for depth, he can kind of play both. But usually, guys who switch back and forth on different sides of the line, they don't tra- they don't they don't transition very well. Um, you know, it's all about getting into your stance and leaning one way or the other. And when you're when you're primarily primarily a left guard, your stance, your all of your weight is going to be on your front right leg. 
Um, and, you know, switching that to your front left leg over on the right side, it's a really tough transition. I played both, and, and I just don't think it's one. Like, listen, if he was if he was going to be a good right guard, that would have come out. We would have known that, and I just didn't see it. And I would rather move on from the guy, try to, you know, build through the draft, and hopefully that's what we're doing. And Nate Davis is a great... A great draft pick. Uh, well, I guess to be seen. He's played well so far. Um, but listen, I mean, you know, you can't really predict injuries coming into the season with Pamphil and Nate Davis and Jameel Douglas. We thought we were pretty. We thought we were pretty safe. Like Landon said, hindsight twenty twenty, he probably would have been good depth. But I just don't think he's the right fit for our football team. Guys, Frank Gore is in his first year with Buffalo Bills, and of course, he's found his way to being their starting running back and. He's on at, he's on pace for about 900 yards and four and a half yards a carry. Ageless wonder, this guy. I know he's only 36, but um, in running back years, he's been around a long time, played 15 seasons in this league. He's likely to finish the season as the third all-time leading rusher um, behind only uh, Emmitt Smith and Sweetness, Walter Payton. I, I think he's about 300 yards away from passing Barry Sanders. Now, he's played a lot longer than all those guys. If you guys had a vote and he hung it up, hangs it up at the end of the season, which there's no guarantee he will, and you guys had a vote for the Hall of Fame, would you guys vote him in? I would, easily. I mean, he's got 18,000 total yards as we stand right now and 98 total touchdowns. I mean, there are guys in the Hall of Fame when we saw when we were in uh, Canton that don't have stats near that. And like you mentioned, you know, he's top five. That's kind of really hard to argue with. Landon, should his longevity count against him and say, well, you know, he made five Pro Bowls, which that's impressive, and he didn't make 10 or 12 like a lot of these guys. You see, these skill position players, there's a lot of good players, so it's tough to get in. Um, Do you think his longevity will be a positive? Like, wow, if you can play 15 years at a high level in this league, maybe you deserve, and you can be quality, maybe you deserve it for that, or... Will these 15, 16 years he plays, does that water down his overall counting stats? I think it's a positive because pretty much everyone on the top of the rushing leaderboards played at least as much as him, if not more. So it's pretty much all the guys who were better than him statistically were literally the greatest running backs ever. Emmitt Smith, Walter Payne, Barry Sanders. No one's going to say that Frank Gore is better than them, but for a guy to play what, 15 seasons, especially after all he went through in college. He tore both his ACLs. And here's another stat for you. Every year he's played, he's been his team's leading rusher. So it's not just he hung around as as part of a committee. He's been been the lead guy for 15 years. And yes, he he wasn't as dominant as some guys we've seen, but still. There's a place for longevity. And if Terrell Davis could get him because he had two absolute all-time great seasons then i don't see why frank gore can't get him because he had 15 really good seasons i think there's a chance you might have a vote one day lan and uh frank gore's not in by then uh, i think you'll be the guy to get him in that's extremely well put he better be um, in yeah and i think he will i mean it's just some people will say well you know, some guys are like, well, was he this dominant force or whatever? But like the point about him always leading to see him rushing 15 years, the guy's got the heart and everything. And the top 12 leading all-time rushers are all in the Hall of Fame or still playing, uh, he and Adrian Peterson. So um, I would think that that he'll be in. It just, just 
just impressive career. Yeah, uh, never thought of him as uh, the absolute best running back in the game, maybe, but I think he was top three for five years, and I think that'll be enough. And plus, he'll make a really intimidating bust in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Landon, Landon, when we went, we saw some of these guys like Ed Reed's. He looks like a character from Game of Thrones. Like it's incredible. All that said, I hope he doesn't rip us up this weekend. But uh, he's a great story. But uh, hopefully, we can uh, wrap <laughs> him up and and get there, and we'll see our our linebacking core sort of uh, catch up to him. But 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 all the best to Frank Gore for sure. Yeah, I remember him from the Hurricane game last year, where we came and we thought, yeah, this is the send off of his career. He's done. And then he just kept gashing us over and over. He was outrunning Woodyard and Jayon Brown. It was just, it's like, what? He's so old. How is he just beating us up? He's an ageless wonder. I think, I mean, he had 100 yards against the Patriots defense when they had no respect for Josh Allen as a passer. So he's still got plenty left in the tank. The thing about Frank Gore is I don't think anybody tells him what to do. I think it's like, no, I'm not going to retire. No, I'm starting. It's like he just earns it, and he's just like, all right, guys, it's time to talk about the actual matchup and uh, how we think it's going to end. If we win this game, big fella, what do you absolutely uh, know has to happen for us? If we win this game, I think we're going to win it on defense. I think we're going to get to, hopefully, uh, to Matt Barkley if, uh, if he's starting. I think we're going to get to him early. We're going to get to him often. We're going to make him force mistakes. And obviously, he's uh, not... A, not a running threat as much as Josh Allen is. And I, that's something that hurt us last year when we played these guys. So I think our key is on defense. And then I think on offense, like I talked about earlier, is, you know, we got to just be smart with the football. We have to, again, take what, the def- take what this very good defense is going to give us. And I think it's going to be a lot of stuff over the middle. And just convert third downs. Um, you know, we did a much better job of that this this past weekend. So I think we have to take advantage of a, a short fields and we have to convert downs. We have to get Derrick Henry going, especially in the second half when this team um, needs to wear down this, wear down the Buffalo Bills defense and, and run down the clock. So um, again, not going to be a pretty win. Maybe that tough gritty win that we always talk about that we're built for maybe like a 17, nine score. Ooh, that sounds like a shootout. <laughs> <laughs> Of kickers, maybe. <laughs> I think uh, this is going to be a tough game. I think uh, this could be a trap game for us. I think this could be have a good game, have a poor game. When we've won in 2019, we did not let the quarterbacks get in a rhythm. We applied pressure. And that's not a given for us. We're going to need to scheme that. I feel like this team benefited from 10 days rest for or nine days to prepare for Atlanta, uh, coming off that Thursday night loss, and they, I want to see them have have a good game plan, good good play calling. Uh, I want to see everybody be ready on a week's rest because coming into week one, uh, we saw that, and then we saw that uh, off rest. So that's a big thing for me. I think pressure is the key, and obviously, we have to have a good game plan on the offensive line. And we have to get Marcus into a rhythm. I am intrigued by their offensive perimeter talent. There's no Julio Jones on this team, but Cole Beasley has quietly had a really good season for them, and they don't have a super accurate thrower, and they've still managed to be productive, and John Brown is a big-time deep threat, and they've both played well uh, um, so far this season. So I think we need to contain uh, those guys, uh, Cole Beasley underneath and John Brown 
but I think we have the guys to do that. I think we've shown we can do that, but it's got to happen because uh, this team beat us last year, and uh, they're certainly a trap. What are, what are your keys to victory, Landon? On offense, I think we need to play it really conservative. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I want Mario to go back to how he was playing in week two and three where he was afraid to throw a risky ball because, and I know we said this last year on the podcast that we should beat the Bills, but especially with Josh Allen being out, I really don't see how their offense can beat our defense. And with maybe the best punter in the game and Brett Kern, I'll I'll take us not I'll take us having a bad day on third down if we can just keep pinning them back and just stifling them because we've shown we can bend and not break. And Matt Barkley is gonna easily be the worst quarterback we've faced so far. So as long as the defense just plays like we know it can and we don't give them easy field position off of a stupid turnover, I really think we we've got a great shot at winning this. It's like the Jets game last year. That game really was only close because Mario threw a stupid pick six. And right now, this offense has yet to have a turnover. And if we keep that up, I really think we're going to walk out of here with a win. It's one of those hard hat games, you know, uh, pardon the analogy. But uh, this team is going to be ready. And this fan base is going to be ready. Uh, Sunday, they are going to be Bills fans everywhere. So come on, guys. Keep your tickets. Find a ticket. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully... Uh, I hope it's not raining, but Landon said he hoped it was raining instead of being 95 degrees. But regardless, the theme is, uh, yeah, up and down. But uh, this could be a role for us, and i like to see what Marcus does. And uh, I'm really excited about our offensive weapons. Uh, A.J. Brown, I want to see Corey Davis uh, continue his work from Sunday. Fellas, anything else? If you're a gambler, you, you have to bet the under on this game. Because this is going to be maybe the most slugfest game of the year. Not your primetime matchup here. That's our uh, new segment we're going to do. It's called uh, Betting Advice from a uh, 17-year-old. Uh, I, I think he's dead on, but uh, we, we don't gamble uh, in that sense. So, But I, I think that's a good way to look at it. I, I think the under is uh, going to be a sharp play uh, on Sunday. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, great uh, great information. I know everybody listening is super excited, and we'll, we'll see you on Sunday. Tighten up.